Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility as someone who lives for politics when a major scandal unfolds it was shocking i have to know what were they thinking backroom deals huge amounts of money cia secrets sets off a firestorm in washington affairs no way this guy's got a mistress corruption i knew i was a dead man warning it's even messier than you thought united states of scandal with jake tapper sunday at nine on cnn Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, Lombardi Line, two games coming up tonight. As we mentioned, Vegas at Cleveland has jumped to Vegas lane two and a half, and Minnesota's lane six and a half at Chicago's. We welcome you back. Hope you're having a nice day as we head into the meat of the holidays, of course. Happy holidays. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. We've got Step Into My Office coming up in just a little bit. I wanted to t- check in with you about the Bills. Uh, reason being, we're going to have in New England, New England hosting the Bills is going to be for the division, Michael, because the Bills right. close with two terrible teams. And uh, the bottom line is this is what it, I'll get you the number for week 16 here in a second. But let's talk about the Bills uh, win over Carolina. Carolina spiraling a little bit here, a 31-14 win. They do cover, ends up closing 14-14 and a half here. You know, it was a closer game than you think it was, Patrick. I mean, you know, as we were on the air yesterday, we learned that, you know, through uh, uh, Twitter that they didn't have their kicker. (laughs) They didn't have their kicker. And they moved the ball fairly well on them. I mean, they were moving the football, and they had to go for it on all the fourth downs. And, you know, that, that became problematic. And they did a good job of, 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 of handling Josh Allen. And I think they made a huge mistake there at midfield. And they're playing really good defense. And they're off, they went for it on a fourth and one, gave Buffalo a short field. that kind of got them going a little bit. But I, I wasn't overly impressed with the Bills. I thought their offense would look better. They ran the football more effectively. I mean, they had 27 rushes, and it wasn't Allen. I mean, he didn't carry the ball very much in the game. But I still think the problems in the offensive line show up, and I think that the defense, whenever they go against a good power run team, I mean, they averaged, uh, look, a lot of it was Cam Newton runs, but they averaged, you know, they averaged 5.2 yards a carry. I mean, they were running the football against them. You know, it's and so, yeah. You know, I think it's – I'm not sold that they're they're back. I mean, I know Cam had 15 carries, but Hubbard had, you know, Hubbard had 40 yards running against them as well. Yeah, no, it's well. It, it's it'll be interesting to see. And again, I'll get to the number with the Bills traveling to New England. It will be interesting to see what the what Carolina does in the off season as far as the quarterback. You just mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. If someone, if they want to move Garoppolo, somebody like Carolina, I'd be in line. Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get they're going to get value back on Trey Lance. The question I think you have to ask in San Francisco: Are they really better off with Trey Lance, or are they better keeping Garoppolo? 
because they can get back. They could easily get back a draft pick, a high draft pick for Garoppolo based on the, the, the level of quarterbacking in this league. I mean, the last five games, Jimmy G's averaged 8.7 yards a, a, a pass attempt. He's got eight touchdowns and three interceptions. I mean, you know, he's got a 105 quarterback rating. I mean, the guy has been really good. His career, his career he averages 8.3 yards per attempt. You know, I mean, yes, he throws interceptions a little too much. Yes, he takes chances. But he's got a career 99.4 quarterback rating. Like, why do we just dismiss him as the problem in San Francisco? Like, he'd be a solution in a lot of other cities. Yeah. Yo, I know he's got George Kittle. That makes him better. Yeah, I know he's got Samuel. Well, there's other teams. I mean, they have DJ Moore in Carolina. You know, they've got good players there. They have Christian McCaffrey if he could ever stay on the field. Like, I think this guy gets a bad rap because, you know, like they, they view him as the problem when in the reality of it is, is when he played well, they went to the Super Bowl. Their defense and him. Now, I know they run the football effectively, but most teams have to run the ball. I thought he was sensational yesterday. I totally agree with you. The The Bills are in a pretty good, they're probability-wise, about 82% to make the postseason, so that win kind of helps them get back on track. Whether or not they win the division, that's another story. So let's set this up. I don't know if you've looked, but do you want to take a stab at the number in New England with the Bills in town week 16? I, I would say it's either Patriots 2, Patriots favored by two or one and a half, somewhere in there. You're all over it. So Buffalo at New England, that's going to be in your one o'clock window the day after Christmas on the 26th. It's two and a half. Open two, so you nailed it. It's, it's jumped up a little bit to two and a half at most books, as there you see it. Um, it it's fascinating. This is going to be for the division. There's no other way to put it. Right, and I think we, we have this image of the Buffalo offense, right? We have this image of Buffalo being, you know, unbelievably explosive. And yesterday, I think their biggest pass play was 28 yards. But so far, you know, in the last five games where Buffalo has really struggled, Josh Allen's only averaged 6.3 yards per attempt. That's two full yards, 2.2 full yards less than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, they're not making the plays down the field. And he's turning the ball over. And he's going to have to play really well against the New England defense that I think can pressure him, especially at home, and force him, if they keep him in the pocket, which you know they're going to, they're going to try to at least, you know, it becomes a harder game for him to move the football. And, look, the Patriots, I, I don't know, maybe call me crazy, but after that game on Sunday, on Saturday, I thought the Patriots played their C game. I think Indianapolis, in most parts, played their A game. And I thought the better team on the field was New England. They just didn't play better that day. I was more optimistic about New England's season after watching that game than I was before the game. And I'm optimistic about them going into Buff playing Buffalo and being able to control the line of scrimmage and being a physical team. Sometimes a loss shows you really what you are as a team. We played in 2014. We went to Green Bay and lost to Green Bay and went to San Diego the next week. And really, that felt like we were going somewhere. I knew that we were going, even though we had lost to Green Bay. That's the sense I got from Indy. I, I have to give... Uh your buddy Bill, uh, props. He had generally treated the media with contempt, uh, but he did come out and apologize for being curt with the media after the loss. Mm. <laughs> he, he first re remarks, I believe it was today, where he said, I apologize. I like to see that. It was, it was kind of him. Yeah. And he knows. I, I, uh, please, go ahead. I, I think it was a frustrating game for him because I think he saw Special what teams. I was seeing was yeah. that I think he felt like, look, we didn't we didn't, the Indy didn't win this game. We lost it. We gave it to him. Red zone interception, block punt for a touchdown, you know, a long run. You know, we didn't play nearly drop. I mean, Jacoby Myers drops the ball early in the game on that deep throw. I mean, Mac Jones put it right on his numbers, right on it, right in his hands, and he dropped it. He'll catch that ball nine times out of ten times. Then they come back, they get called on a screen pass. They get called for lineman downfield because the league office mandated to all the officials in a memo this week that they wanted to call Lyman downfield more. Now, I get that. You know why you need to call Lyman downfield more? Because of the RPOs, not on screen passes. See, this is the disconnect that we have, Patrick, with the officiating and, 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 the, and the game. The officials don't understand the plays. They don't understand the game. So RPOs, you should be diligent in calling those guys downfield because that affects the defense's reaction. A screen pass, that, that those guys are always within a yard, a half a yard. They're never down unless 
the timing of the screen gets messed up by some pressure in the quarterback's face. Then it's a penalty. Mm -hmm. But to me, on the execution, it's ridiculous. But that's where the that's why when we complain about officials, that's a perfect example. They don't know the league. They don't know what the teams are teaching their players, and they can't separate RPOs from screens. I'm trying to think if there was one that stood out social media-wise, a point of contention as far as the officials where everybody just jumped on them. I would say the spot in Denver was very fortuitous for Denver on that fourth down call. It looks like the fact that they measured and it was that close, it did look like um, yeah. you, you know what I'm talking You remember what I'm talking about towards mm -hmm. the end of yep. the game there? It looked like yep. it was an easy turnover on downs and it was closer with the spot. Uh, that's the only one I can think of really at the top of my yeah, mind. Yeah, I mean, well, I read this morning and, and I got to go back and watch it this afternoon, but the, I didn't see all of the Pittsburgh Tennessee game, but most of Tennessee's players were complaining about the yes, calls. Saw that. Now, I didn't think the spot on the fourth down play was, I thought they were generous with the initial spot. I think if they reviewed it, as Romo was saying, it it was going to be well short. And I don't know how you throw that ball on fourth down. You've got to, you, you've got to make sure you get past the sticks. You've got to get that first down. Yeah. Nope. You're right. What uh, is there a issue in the past with Brady and Allen? I'm sure you saw the, the clip where he, <laughs> he ran over there and told Allen to go do something to himself that he shouldn't have said. Um, but I think it was Allen. Was that Allen who Brady was yelling at yeah. on the other side? I don't know who he was yelling at, but I think this. Here's what I think we learned last night. And I've said this about Tom's career all through. Tom is all about trust. He's all about trust. He has to trust the players. This is why Antonio Brown will be on the field next week, right? Because when he loses Godwin and he loses Mike Evans and he loses Fournette, he lost his security blankets, you know? And all of a sudden now he's got to make these other players who he's not used to throwing the ball to comfortable. And he doesn't feel comfortable with them. And so the offense becomes stagnant. And, and look, let's face it, they, the Saints do a great job of rushing four and giving him problems. A great job. I mean, they put pressure on him. Cam Jordan from anywhere on that line. It's, the, it's one of the few times during the season that we see Tampa's offensive line not play well. It's really kind of shocking. But Dennis Allen does a good job. They, they match it. They understand the concepts in Bruce Arians' passing game, and they disrupt them. And then when he starts losing players – which is why I don't think he's the MVP of the league. I think it's Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers wins with anybody. Where Brady needs to have his cohesive unit together for him to maximize his full potential because he just doesn't trust everybody. The Yeah, it's essentially Brady's still a slight favorite, but, you know, plus 125-ish with Rodgers. But last week, books. if people would have paid attention to this show last week, you could have got a better number before the Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was more closer to 5-1 to one for Rodgers, and Rodgers is close yeah. to about 1.5-1, one to one, one fit, plus 150. Um, Brady was sacked four times. He had the tur two turnovers, both on third downs. You, you mentioned he lost. Evans and Godwin and then Fournette in the second half. Two of them to hammies. So these couldn't I linger. I don't get that. Yeah, and I don't get how you get a hammy this late in the year, especially when you're in warm weather. You know, you, you, you would think you would be able to handle that, but obviously, you know, not. I mean, I don't know what's going on, and, and you know, maybe the humidity got to him or running, but, yeah, you're right, Patrick, those injuries. You know, the other injury I saw, I don't know if he came back in the game, but, you, you, you know, uh, Cole Beasley walked off the field. Yep. He looked like his hip was real bothering him. And the Saints, by the way, Michael, 7-7 seven and seven now. They're a 50-50 shot. They've got tiebreakers. So they're a 50-50 shot to make the postseason. So the Saints. Got Miami next week on Monday night. Right. It'll be a tough game for them. That's right. They had lost 5 of 6 coming into it. Brady 0-4 in Tampa against the Saints in the regular season. We come back. The couch is out. It's time for Step Into My Office. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Of course, the bull season's kicked off and VSEN's got you covered with our all-new bull betting guide. Get matchup analysis on every bull game. We've got you covered. This is real tricky as far as the bull season this year. So whether you're betting on every game or just want to find a key high prop value, any anything across the board, insights, trends, data predictions, we've got you. Get your digital copy today, right now. Instantly for $19.99, vcin.com slash bull guide. It's vcin.com slash bull guide. Okay, it's that time of the week here on the Lombardi line. It's time for a philosopher king and therapist, Michael <laughs> Lombardi, to help out some of these, uh, some of his contemporaries here with Step Into My Office. And we're going to start with Mike Vrabel. And you see underneath a loss yesterday in Pittsburgh. They did lead 13-3 to at the half versus Pittsburgh, outgained Pitt by 150 yards, yet lost 19-13. to Where would you start with Mr. Vrabel? I would start by saying, look, I, I think I have tremendous respect for your ability to be a head coach, and I think you've played the season as well as you can based on the injuries. Julio Jones, again, goes out with that, that hamstring that, you know, to me has been career problematic over the last three years. But to me, it's really about just keeping doing what we're doing. We got to protect the football. Keep coaching the way you've been coaching, because it's going to break through. We play San Francisco. You know, you've done a great job of 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 teaching the team about avoiding losing before winning. It was evidenced by our ability to win at the Rams. You know, when we went out and played the Rams, and we were able to win that game, and we came back and won other games that way without much offense. But yesterday, we lost the game. It's one of those games where we were very good on offense, but gave it away. And I just think we got to go back to doing what we do best, which is protect the football and overemphasize it. I think you'll be right there. It'll be a hard game this week against the Niners. But if we protect the football, we can beat anybody. Vrabel's a great example of what we talk about on the show quite often as far as, you know, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators are going to get hired. It doesn't matter how well you call plays. Sometimes the head coach, it's a completely different vehicle. Vrabel called plays once for Houston. And it was underwhelming, but he's been a hell of a head coach. It's really been a disaster when he wasn't great as a head coach, as a defense coordinator. But as a head coach, I think he sees the game. He manages the game. He plays complementary football with his team. I mean, the Ram game was a perfect example. They had 194 yards of offense in that game, and they won. You know, and then they come back and play the Saints, and they, they had 264 yards of offense, and they won that game. You know, in those two games, they won because they didn't turn the ball over. They, were, they played complementary football. But yesterday, they committed four turnovers. You know, the week before against Jacksonville, they were my, they were plus four in the turnover takeaway. Yesterday, they were plus four, and I think that's the issue. And he'll correct it. I mean, he'll get it fixed, you know, now. But here's the issue, though, Patrick. In the last four games, in the last four games, this team has turned the ball over 13 times. 
five against Houston, four against New England, and four against Pittsburgh. They didn't turn it over against Jacksonville. And in those four, three games, they're one and three. Okay, thank you, Mr. Vrabel. Next up, Cliff Kingsbury stepping into the office. 0 for 4 in the red zone. Uh, penalties killed him yesterday. A, a spiritless effort in Detroit for Arizona. Yeah, and I, I would start by saying, look, Cliff, this is this is one of those where we've got to find our way to get our execution back. And I know it's hard without our best receiver, but we've got to get the quarterback to kind of be a little bit more takeoff. And I don't know the injury situation here, but he needs to be able to be more dynamic in the pocket. You know, with him averaging 3.9 yards a carry, you know, he's not tall enough to really just stay in there and be a pocket passer. We've got to find a way to get him out there. And then we've got to find a way as an offense to get the lead. If we continue to play from behind or continue to let teams get ahead of us, that keeps the running game involved and we can't utilize our skills on defense to attack the opposing passer. It's really going to be important. And I think this week we've got to put the pads on and we've got to get back to fundamentals, especially with our defensive front. We're going to play a good team with a really good offensive line and a very good running back. We've got to force turnovers. We've got to force Wentz to play in the game. We've got to put pressure on them. And we've got to play from in front. And we need Murray to be back to the Murray earlier in the season. And that means taking off. That means running for first downs. That means doing the things that Murray can do and moving the pocket and hoping we have enough skill. Because we can move the football on this team. We certainly can. But we need to play with more discipline and more fundamentals. And I think it starts on the practice field. Because over the last two years, we have declined as the year went on. Okay, Cliff, thank you for stepping into the office. Next up, first-year head coach Arthur Smith. Atlanta lost 31-13 on Sunday. They struggled 5 of 13 on third downs, 0 of 3 on fourth downs, and then 1 of 5 in the red zone. What would you say to Art Smith here? Well, I would say, Arthur, look, I think yesterday's game was a perfect example of you can have all the skill you want. You can draft a tight end who's really a wide receiver in the first round, and you can get praised for it. And everybody in the analytical community will tell you it's a wonderful pick. We can't block anybody, Arthur. And the quarterback is probably not going to be able to practice for three days because he's got bruises all over his body. So until we change the offensive line, let's stop talking about needing more skill. We're making the same mistake most offensive head coaches make, is we want more skill, more receivers, more – we can't block anybody. They kicked our butts. Our quarter got back got hit 29 times yesterday. 29 times he was pressured. He was, and it was ugly. And until we get control of the offensive line, and I don't care that we've got three number ones. I don't care that Rich McKay's telling you that, you know, he drafted those guys and they're really good. They're not. We can't block anybody. Until we can block somebody, we better fix this problem. And you've got to stop thinking like a play caller and start thinking like a head coach and fix the line. I love Pitts. Great player. We could have used the left tackle. We could have used the lineman in the first pick. We could have used Sewell. Because until we get them, until we can protect the quarterback, and it's not going to matter what quarterback we get. Arthur Smith out. Coming in, Mr. Biscuit, risk it. Bruce Arians, so his team lost. They were shut out last night, 9 to nothing, as 11.5-point home favorite. What would you say, Michael Lombardi, to Bruce Arians? I don't blame Tom Brady for this. Like, let's not blame Tom Brady for this. Let's just blame the fact that, you know, it's a 6 to nothing game, and they just beat us at our own game. And we didn't have enough reps with the younger players. I would say, Bruce, I think this is just one of those games where we dismiss it. But I would urge, I would urge us to spend a lot more time trying to figure out why Dennis Allen has such a hold on us. Why is Dennis Allen our kryptonite? What don't we do against him that we need to break? What are our tendencies that he's seeing on this tape that we need to change? Because we're going to have to play him again next year. You know, we're going to have to play him again two more times next year. We need to figure this out now. Before we get on to Carolina, let's spend a little time trying to understand what's going on. And we just can't say we didn't have our players. Because when somebody's dominated you over the last four games, it's not just happenstance. It's because they have you. And so let's spend, this, let's spend today, Monday and Tuesday, really understanding why we can't beat Dennis Allen and why we don't move the ball effortlessly against him. While some other teams do. Hell, let's put on the Daniel Jones tape. Earlier in the year, Daniel Jones went up and down the field on him. Now, why can the Giants move it and we can't? We need to figure this out before we move forward on Carolina. Don't blame the quarterback because don't blame the quarterback because you can blame him all you want, but he's the reason why you are winning Super Bowls. Speaking of which, it looks like the news coming out right now, Godwin's going to be shut down for the rest of the regular season. Um, we shall see about the postseason, but Godwin's out. I mean, that's, they're, they're dealing with injuries as well in Tampa, Michael. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, Perryman was on COVID too, right? But but you could see, I mean, Brady threw the ball to, Kurt, uh, to, to Godwin to, to beat the Bills, but that was because, the you know, it was kind of designed that way. But when he ran that out, Brady was mad because he didn't take the out down the ladder. So, I mean, he's going to have to get used to playing with some of these other guys. He's going to have to develop some kind of chemistry with them because we know this. Brady only will throw the ball to somebody he trusts, somebody he believes will be in the right place at the right time when he needs them there. Also, more of the same breaking news coming in here on the Lombardi line, and that is it looks like Joey Bosa, Corey Lindsley, and Austin Eckler are being placed on the COVID-19 list for the Chargers. So they're dealing with the situation that everybody's dealing with. So uh, more names right. on the Chargers list. Well, we'll see. You know, I don't know if they're vaccinated. I mean, we're in the new rule protocol, right? Yeah. So they either weren't vaccinated and they got tested or they were having symptoms and they got tested. I mean, that's, the, that, that's now we kind of know. I don't know what Bosa and all those guys are. They have Houston this week in Houston, you know, which should be a game that they should be able to go down there. Houston played really well yesterday. I mean, they were able to, to move the ball fairly well against Jacksonville. They protected well. Davis Mills has actually gotten better over the last two weeks, so be a challenge. Yeah, I am very curious to see what they're going to do. Do you think they have Davis Mills as pegged as somebody that they're debating on whether or not they could use him as a starter moving forward? Yeah, I think they definitely are. And I think the alternative is, is who would we get? You know, they're going to trade Deshaun, assuming they can. And then, you know, what's the option? Is Davis Mills better than Tommy Pickett? Or is Pickett better than him? I think that's the question. You always have to ask that question based on relative to the draft. Where would you put this player on our team on the draft board? Don't always think new is better. Yeah. I mean, you've got Pickett, as you mentioned, Corral, and Willis. Those are three mostly that everybody has as the consensus top three going, but they don't compare to quarterback classes as far as excitement, you know, and as far as grades right now as we've seen in the past. What would Jimmy What would Jimmy G be if he was in this quarterback class based on what he's done? Jimmy G's – Think about that. He's, he's gaining – the way he handled the situation and the way he's performed, he's, he's gained a lot of fans this year for good reason. No doubt. No doubt. For good reason. I mean, you know, and, and everybody wanted him to – first incompletion, they all wanted him off the field. What will Shanahan and Lynch say in the offseason if they move on? Like, what, what, what's the justification? I mean, his contract's really cheap next year. I think it's like $20 million. I don't think it's that expensive. I think they keep him. I don't think they move off on him. That, that's fascinating. <laughs> they, they gave away first-rounders, plural, for a kid that's not even going to play next year. It would be fascinating. When we come back, we'll get a market update with Josh Applebaum right here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's VSIN, the sports betting network. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, before you make that best next bet, vsin.com, check out the betting splits. You can check them out right now for tonight's Monday Night Football games. New feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over under and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. We can confirm, Michael Lombardi here on the Lombardi line, we can confirm Stefanski will not coach in today's game. So Pryfer will be the acting head coach, and then Alex Van Pelt will be calling plays offensively there. Yeah, I mean, look, I would assume this is going to be a heavy dose of Nick Chubb, right? What's the over-under on punts? What do you think? How many total punts for the game? What do you think? The Chubster is going to get some work, and we are going to see a lot of punts. It's going to be sloppy. And, and, yeah. and, and, and there's, there's no other way around it. This is what these teams are dealing with. So, again, Stefanski is out as we welcome in. Yeah. Go ahead, please. I, I will say, though, Bill Callahan, the line coach for the Browns, is a really good run game coach. And, you know, knowing the front that he's going to play against, it's a one-front team. Uh, I think they'll have good designs in the run game, and I'm sure they'll adjust it. We could see a little bit of the Buffalo-New England type game where maybe there's only 10 passes. But I do think they'll be able to figure out how to run the football, even though they're down players. Hey, Matt, see if uh, BetMGM has a prop for rush yards on Chubb because a bunch of books that I use here in town have, don't have that posted. A market update time with our buddy Josh Applebaum. Market Insights is the podcast. You can find it at vsin.com slash podcast. Hey, Josh, how you doing, buddy? 
Hey, Patrick. Hey, Michael. Doing great. Uh, we got a doubleheader for the first time this year, Monday Night Football. But really, guys, a couple takeaways before we dive into uh, tonight's games. Uh, number one, we're looking and thinking and waiting for some regression uh, back toward dogs, back toward unders. That's what happened yesterday. Remember, we were doing we do Lombardi lines all year long, but week 13 and 14, you had an epic public run there where favorites went 21 and 9, 70 percent. We also had overs cashing at a big rate. But as TG in the books, the, you know, you always know that long term, they're going to win outright. You're going to see some regression back to the mean. We saw that yesterday. Dogs six and four ATS under seven and three overall. So you're kind of seeing the books, you know, take back some of those losses that they had, you know, early to start December. One takeaway, guys, you know, we're talking about with COVID, uh, you know, kind of some tips, some strategies, way to handle it. I think one thing that we did a good job yesterday mentioning is not laying the worst of the number. If you look at yesterday, like Miami opening, you know, minus eight and a half, get up to 10. If you laid the worst of it, you laid any of it, you didn't cash. Uh, same thing with the Jaguars, three up to six. Uh, Green Bay, four and a half up to nine. Tampa Bay, 10 up to 12. We see these COVID moves and you see these big moves. You feel like I want to be on the sharp side, but getting the worst of it, guys, can oftentimes be a, a dangerous proposition. So sometimes teasing down these teams can be worthwhile. Then also, guys, big takeaway from yesterday, Aaron Rodgers. The combination of Rodgers playing great there, eking out a win uh, in Baltimore versus Tom Brady getting shut out. First time in 255 starts. Rodgers, big move to the MVP, guys. He went into yesterday plus 550. He's now plus two, uh, plus 150. This line is falling toward Rodgers. Green Bay also plus 500 to win the Super Bowl, plus 250 to win the NFC. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Is this kind of setting up for Rodgers MVP with maybe Brady having a difficult game last night? Well, I've been saying it all year. I mean, to me, I've been saying it for the last month that, that Rodgers is the is the MVP. I think he covers up for a lot of things, and he makes them a better team, especially how bad they are in the kicking game, and they're atrocious in the kicking game. We see it every week. It's a comedy in the kicking game. And then, you know, the ability to be able to handle with that offensive line, missing all of his starters, and then whoever else is around him. I mean, yesterday was the perfect example. I mean, I, I really think LaFleur made a mistake when he went back on the field trying to run the clock. I think if they would have gone on the field as if the game was tied 31-31, Rodgers would lead them right down the field and scored. But, you know, they kind of backed off and it gave Baltimore the chance. And everybody watching that game knew when they punted the ball back to Baltimore, the game was going to be tied. Yeah, especially with the short field like that. The, yeah. the Monday night games, Josh, let's go ahead and dig into these numbers, which are the craziest we've ever seen as far as day-to-day <laughs> -day movement. Vegas at Cleveland. Right now, Vegas is 2.5 and, and a total of 40.5, Josh. Yeah, this has been unbelievable. You know, three of us, we've been doing Lombardi lines for going on three years now. I've never seen a move like this with us working together, seeing something like this. Remember, Cleveland actually opened as a six-point favorite here. Then you had all the news of the COVID positives here with the Browns. Line got all the way to Raiders minus three. But then we saw the line, get, the game get pushed back to today. Remember, this was originally a Saturday game. Uh, and you saw maybe, okay, some more time for some Browns guys to come off the COVID list. Maybe you're going to get one of these quarterbacks playing, Keenum or Baker Mayfield. So the line went back to Cleveland minus three. But then, of course, we get the news now starting to get a little bit uh, of clarity here that it's going to be Nick Mullins. And once the uh, news of Nick Mullins starting this game came out, you saw a big move back to the Raiders here at minus two and a half, minus three. So, uh, guys, kind of I'm looking at maybe a money line play here on the Raiders, not outsmarting yourself too much. You got a lot of guys out for Cleveland. You know Chubb's going to probably run wild tonight, but uh, no Stefanski, no Hooper, no Clowney, no Landry. You got a bunch of guys on the offensive line being out. And Raiders are a little bit healthier. The late move is going in their direction. I don't want to lay the three now with the key number, but I'd look at a money line play, just win the game with the Raiders, minus 140. You also have Craig Rolstad, 67 and 49, to the road team, 58%. All right. Now, we'll get Michael's official lean coming up in the next segment. So let me get your take on Minnesota-Chicago. Uh, Three-and-a-half opener up to six-and-a-half. It was sitting six yesterday with Minnesota laying it on the road in Chicago, Josh. Yeah, I think you got maybe two options here. And again, you can bet whatever you feel like you have an edge on. But uh, your first option would be maybe buying low on Chicago. Again, they've struggled here. They're one and seven last eight. Uh, they had a really tough loss if you took them in the points against Green Bay. They're up early and you end up losing and not covering 45 to 30. Uh, but really struggling here. We did see COVID take place with the Bears. And really this line open Vikings laying three and a half all the way up to six and a half. So in terms of buying low on the Bears, they're really contrarian. Everybody's all over the Vikings here. Uh, you're getting an inflated number. I would wait out and see if you can get a seven. Now, if you can't stomach that with all these, you know, divisional dog matches, primetime dog matches, you had another primetime dog last night uh, with the Saints here, then I think the, the obvious play, it looks easy and nothing's ever easy in sports betting, but teasing down Minnesota, minus six and a half down to minus a half point. 
I think you're banking on a rest advantage. Uh, obviously, Minnesota played that Thursday night where it was Sunday for the Bears. A lot of guys out for the Bears because of COVID. And really, it's the offense of Minnesota. You know, both teams giving up around 25 points a game. But offensively, Minnesota is averaging almost 27, only about 17 for Chicago here. And if you're looking for a dance partner, guys, we did see some over money here. Uh, total open around 44 to met up to 45 and a half. At BetMGM, 70% of bets, but 85% of money is on the over. So a lot of not just public money, but maybe some respected money. So I'm thinking if you're if you're going to tease down Minnesota, maybe you take that total and tease it down uh, 44 and a half or 45 and a half now down to 39 and a half with a Minnesota team that maybe can score their points, but maybe Fields will get some too here at home. All right. I'm just looking, Michael and Josh. It looks like Judge is going to consider starting from. You take a look at the Giants, who are just, I mean, <laughs> it's hilarious. You take a look at the I Giants. Mean, a day after Christmas, they're going to be in Philly. And I got a number of 10 and that, right around 10 ish with Philly laying it. That, 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 if you like, you better bet that that's going to go up to 12. It'll get, to, it'll get, it's going to move even with Fromm. I mean, you know, you're going to get that number to move anyway. Uh, especially with Fromm. Now that they announced Fromm, it gives the defensive staff more time to prepare for Fromm. You think it's the opposite. Everybody thinks it's the opposite. Well, you know, have a week of practice, he'll be better. No, the defense gets a week to practice against you. So if you like if you like Philly, which you should like at that number, get it before it goes up. I think that. And then I think also you better get the Denver number. If you, if you like Denver this week or if you like, you know, uh, let me look at the line right here on the Denver game. Uh, Denver's playing the Raiders. It's one, right? Denver's favorite. Las Vegas is favored by one. That line will go to at least three because the great Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback. It's going to get bet pretty quickly. So if you like Las Vegas, take it right now. Yeah. And just to be clear, it looks like he said he's going to think about starting from, but my assumption is, like you, that he probably will. Josh, you just texted me about the Lions. That's, uh, that's, it was an exciting win for the Lions yesterday there at Ford Field. Yeah, you know, Patrick, got to fit this one in, make you happy today. Thank I know you're, you're riding high after your Lions with a big win. Lots to look forward and by to. By the way, <laughs> and Campbell, great post-game speech. You know, we rag on him with analytics, clock management, but, you know, he gets the team going. They, they like playing for him. You got to give him some credit there. But after that big win, guys, uh, Detroit, they're going to Atlanta. You, you, I think you're in a good teaser spot. If you look at this next game, if you want to kind of uh, bet against the Falcons who have struggled and maybe ride uh, Detroit here, they're at four and a half. And it looks like this thing may be getting down to four. Uh, at some books, we are actually at four. If you still see a hook with a four and a half and you can tease up the Lions to ten and a half, I think that could be an opportunity there. The other one I want to mention real quick, Michael, I don't know if you have any early thoughts. The Colts in Arizona. Uh, this game actually opened some look at lines where Arizona minus four and a half, minus three. I'm seeing this line get all the way down to one and a half or one. Colts riding high, rest advantage. Uh, lines going to the Colts there, Michael. What do you think uh, going to Arizona? Oh, I, I think it's a tough matchup, Arizona. They can't play run defense. They can't play run defense, and Murray hasn't played to the level that they need to. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're staggering for a reason. And I think this is, this is, will be, I think this will get to, I, I wouldn't see if we see a flop on this number. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a flop. I think, I think Arizona, uh, Indianapolis could become the favorite before too long. Yeah, they were showing Dan Campbell's post-game speech. When he struggles to find a word, he just goes with a hard F-bomb. You know, like there was not, to me, there was nothing impressive about the speech. He was just like, that was good. F this. Tony Soprano would be blushing. <laughs> it's the all, when all else fails, you can't find a word. Just give him a hard F. Okay, Josh, enjoy the shows today, and good luck on the game. Thanks, Thank Josh. You. Appreciate it, guys. Good luck tonight. Okay, good luck, Josh. Uh, coming back, we'll get official leans from Michael. We got the two on Monday night. Actually, I'm going to ask you about Tuesday as well, as we won't be here. We continue Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks tonight, lock of the year, Minnesota, Chicago. Either team scores a touchdown, you bet $10, bucks, you are going to win $200. Paid for in free bets. This is for new bettors at BetMGM. Use the bonus code VSEN200, VSIN200. So, again, Minnesota, Chicago scores a touchdown, 200 bucks is yours. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older. New customer offer. Please gamble responsibly if you have a gambling problem. It's 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Okay, Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. It's time to get a couple of leans to Monday night games, Michael. So we'll start with the early one. Again, that's five-year time to our time here on the West. This number's jumped to Vegas two and a half. And that total aforementioned 40 and a half. What are you thinking here? Well, I mean, if I could get, you know, I hate to sound like Josh Applebaum here. If I could get, if I could get the the Browns at three, I'd like that a lot better than two and a half. Uh, but I, I would lean towards the Browns here. I don't think the Raiders are going to score a lot of points in this game either, especially if Miles Garrett can create a turnover and you know get some pressure on Derek Carr, and they can do a good job in the secondary, which I think the Browns can if they if they kind of mix it up a little bit. So I lean towards taking the Browns here, Patrick. I like the under a lot in this game because I do think that will be – I think it's going to be a 17-14, 20-14 type of game. Okay. That's a good uh, good little nugget there. He does like the under 40-and-a-half. I was a little surprised it didn't dip even more, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota-Chicago. Okay. So this one, we sat here yesterday. It was six, as you know. It's now six-and-a-half. A lot of it has to do with Chicago's depleted secondary. 45-and-a-half. The total off of 45 – excuse me, off of 44 opener, Michael. What are you thinking? You know, I think when a team shows you who they are, you should believe them. And Minnesota has shown us all year that regardless of the level of comp, it's going to be a close game. It doesn't matter. They lost to Detroit. Uh, you know, not a shame. Not to be ashamed about, but they, they lost to Detroit. I think you should take the six and a half and just, you know, and just – Pray that, it, you, you know, it's going to be because there's a lot of things that stack up in your favor. A, you have the, you know, you have the, the dominance of, of Chicago versus Minnesota at Soldier Field. Kirk Cousins playing in national time, you know, and the fact that Minnesota typically plays in a lot of close games. And so because of that, I think, you know, I think you have a pretty good chance. Okay, there it is. And as I mentioned, let's get the betters uh, an opportunity to hear your opinion about the Tuesday games. So, it, the, as far as scheduling, this thinks that they're both going off at the same time. Don't you agree? Yeah, I hate I, it. I hate it. 
I mean, at least where Fox is going to show it on their two networks, right? So I'm sure I'll get Philly, Washington up in Boston when I go up there tomorrow. And I'm sure you're going to get Seattle Rams. You know, I, I, I don't understand why we can't have them both. Why not? Enjoy. You know, it's a Christmas gift from the networks. Why not? Even you know, a two-hour stagger. What Start one, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. stagger I mean, it a little bit. I, th- I think that's probably for competitive, you know, because if you play them both, uh, knowing how the league, there's a competitive disadvantage for the team that plays at 8.30 and they're going to come back and play again on on, on Sunday. Right. Because it's a long, you know, it's a problem. So I think that's probably why they did it more than anything. But, you know, and they're going to at least give us one of the games nationally, which is great. I appreciate that. So, you know, I lean towards taking the Rams. I know sevens a lot. I think our, our Russell's played better in the last couple of weeks. But I do think the the Rams will throw the ball and move the ball. I thought the Rams last week got their identity back a little bit. They threw, they ran the ball. They tried to run the ball with Sonny Michelle. They were physical with the line of scrimmage, and I thought it helped Stafford. It took the burden off. They played Goff's offense with Stafford, which then highlighted Goff offense, which highlighted Goff's offense. So I like the Rams here. You know, at seven, it's it's a touchdown. Usually these are close games. Uh, but I would take, the, I would lean towards the Rams here. I don't love that pick. Washington, Philly, to me, you know, this line has gotten as high as nine. It's come all the way down to five. These line movements. I would take the points. I, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for Washington, but I think taking the points in these close rivalry games is probably smart, especially considering that you know uh, Washington will get some of their players back. And you know Washington has the ability to kind of play uh, in close games as well. It's going to be, well, unless something changes with Heineke and Kyle Allen, it looks like it's going to be Garrett Gilbert, who I believe has a connection with the system with Turner. Maybe that's the connection. It must be, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if it's Turner, if it's Turner, excuse me, if it's Garrett Gilbert for sure, I think we'll see this number go back up. I do. I think this is a number that they think is much like that Mayfield number. They think that that one one of those two guys, Heineke or... Uh, or Kyle Allen are going to play. I can't imagine this numbers at six and a half with Garrett Gilbert. It was up to nine and a half when we thought it was going to be Garrett Gilbert. So it's going to go back up there again. If you like, if you like Philly, you better take it now because once if they announce the other, it's going to go way up. Yeah, you just mentioned everybody's at six and a half across the board. So Philly lane yeah. six and a half. And, and let's just say this: we thought for sure. You know, when we look at these numbers, look, we've said all week, if you listen to our program and download the podcast, which you should do, we said that that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to play. We were clear about that. And that line moved a little bit during the week because of the uncertainty. We made it clear he wasn't. He, was ne- he wasn't even close to playing. So that, that's the reality. And in this game, where we're getting a little confused is because when we saw that line post with Cleveland becoming the favorite, that led all of us to believe that we were going to get Baker Mayfield or at least Case Keenum. Yeah. And, you know, we that was a deception. Now we're seeing it flip back again. And so if it, I think if that's the case that game, again, why did we even move the game if both quarterbacks can't play? That I think if Gilbert's going to play, that number's going to ratchet right back up tomorrow. And Michael mentioned you can now get the Lombardi line as a podcast wherever you find your podcast, iHeart, Apple, wherever you download your podcast, check out the Lombardi line. Uh, just a quick peek ahead here. Interesting Thursday night matchup the day before um, Christmas Eve, right? San Francisco at Tennessee. Yeah. And it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good one. This, a good this one's jumped up. San Francisco up to four at a bunch of books. Yeah, I could see it because I think the perception of people that, Pitts, that, that lost to Pittsburgh, Tennessee must really be struggling. You know, when really Tennessee gave that game away. They gave it away, and they turned the ball over. Like we said, they turned it over too much in three of the last four weeks. They can't do that. They have to avoid losing, and they should. Maybe they'll get some of their defensive players back, but they dominated Pittsburgh in that game. Pittsburgh did very little. 139 yards of offense. They ran for 37. It was really a one-drive game. It was fortunate. They got they got four field goals, and two of them were because they were in field goal range when they got the ball. So. You know, I think everybody's going to be jumping all over San Francisco in this game. I wouldn't be so fast to do that. I think it's a good play. I like San Francisco at three and a half. It was a lovely play. I think it's going to get away from you here. Just quickly circling back, uh, you gave out Cincinnati yesterday, and they were a straight-up winner catching three. Uh, 15 to 10. Thought it was kind of an entertaining game. Uh, by, by the way, Bridgewater is okay. He's out of the hospital, so you'd like to see that with the head injury. Uh, did you have takeaways for either Cincinnati or Denver kind of walking out of that game? 
You know, I thought since he was fortunate, I think if Bridgewater would have stayed in the game, I think he would have maybe moved the ball for one drive. Uh, Denver's offense, we know, is not good. That's why I like the game. I thought I thought Burrow would be the better quarterback in the game, and he ended up being. He only made one play. Since he really couldn't get their offense going, you know, I was disappointed. I gave out three picks yesterday. Miami, I, I really am disappointed in that one. That one really, I, I, you know, you give out picks and you say, okay, well, this happened, and, you know, you, that might Miami game. I mean, you know, I hear Tua. People are saying, "Well, Tua's, you know, every he's better than everybody thinks he is." If you watch that game, you don't Tua's think he's better than what he is. Turned the ball over twice, gave him ten points. This pick six at the end of the game, the ball hangs in the air forever. I, I just don't see it. He's never going to be able to go into England in the wintertime and throw it. And then, and then I thought that Baltimore game. I gave, I, I gave Green Bay. You know, I, excuse me, Jacksonville. That to me was a poorly handicapped game on my part because you know. I, I was thinking of the emotion and being able to be better, and it, it's institutionalized how bad they are on offense in Jacksonville. They're not going to turn that around in a week. I watched a lot of that game. Interestingly, they had more drops. And Lawrence, listen, you can say what you want about Lawrence, but he's got to get some guys that are going to catch the football. They had so many drops in key situations, and I understand it was raining at times, uh, but two bad football teams. Two, I mean, that was... <laughs> it was yeah. it was rough. Uh, that was that was a horrible play. I I should have just I should have just avoid. I, I had it as a John Oates no play, and then I went back on it. Uh, it was dumb on my part. It really was. It was just dumb on my part. And 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 I and I should know better than that. Is Meyer is he trying to get back into coaching? With the comments would lead you to believe that maybe he's yeah. I mean, he, obviously he, he thinks so, right? You know, he thinks he is. You think he you think he wants to, right? I mean, the way he's behaving. I mean, what what is the point at this point? Like, I guess just to clear up his ego, right, and clear up his reputation. Yeah, sure. You know, he wants to. You know, he he doesn't want to go out looking like looking as bad as he looked. I mean, that's really embarrassing. That's a bad look on his part. Okay, Michael, enjoy the two games today yeah. and then the two uh, games Patrick. tomorrow. M. Lombardi, NFL. We will NFL. talk on Thursday. Absolutely. We will talk on you Thursday. You can find Thank Michael. You. Again, the Lombardi line is now a podcast. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. Thank you, Kevin, behind the glass. Thank you, Matt Santos. Appreciate you as well. Coming up next, Odds On with Mike and Amal. We'll see you coming back here on Thursday. Michael will be back on Wednesday. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Again, it is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed anything as far as the channel as well, it's vsin.com. At Beeson Live. We'll see you next time here on the Lombardi Line. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.